to start probably anytime you are. I don't see anybody else online, and we've got our quorum, so. We do. Kurt, are you ready for us? All set. Okay. Take it away. Oh, did you have one, want to say something first? Well, yeah. I want to get the meeting started. On okay. The and then opening announcements. Yes, ma'am. All right. Um, this is the uh, Lawrence, Kansas Regional Airport Aviation Advisory Board meeting for November 2nd, and I call us to order. Scott. Thank you, Chair. Uh, my name is Scott Wagner. I'm the Lawrence Airport Manager, and welcome uh, to our meeting tonight. I have a few housekeeping items for this hybrid meeting. City staff and aviation board members will be in person at City Hall. Virtual participation is allowed for any participant, including staff and the public. Live public comment can be made in person or at City Hall or virtually using the Zoom link. Zoom link. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. If you are on Zoom, please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled and all chats will go directly to me. When the chair calls for in-person public comment, individuals should indicate if they wish to speak and staff will direct you to the podium. Individuals participating via Zoom should raise the use the raise hand function to indicate that they wish to speak. Please teach your name before speaking and comments will be limited to three minutes. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. And now I'll turn the meeting back over to our board chair, Clancy Maloney. Thank you, Scott. Um, the first order of business here is, first of all, I'd like to say we have four members present, which is a quorum. We have three members absent tonight. Um, the first order of business is to receive our minutes from the October 5th meeting. Does anybody have changes or corrections? Okay. Could I have a motion to approve, please? Uh, Richard Haig, I move that we approve the minutes as they are written. And a second? Ben Bourne, I second. Okay. All opposed. Uh, motion carries unanimously. <laughs> okay. And next public comment yes uh, we are open for public comment is there any to be had from the audience or online no I'm not seeing any online okay um, we will proceed then to the agenda items. The first one is a presentation from the University of Kansas on drone activities at the Lawrence Airport. And let's see. Yeah, go ahead. And I've got your presentation pulled up, Professor Ewing. This is Professor Ewing, right? Yes. Mark Ewing, hi. Mark Ewing, yes. Nice to meet you. I am a faculty member at KU in aerospace engineering, and I represent our flight research laboratory, which is on um, the campus of the, the airport. So let's go ahead and put up the presentation. Can you, can you see the panel? I can, I can see it over here. I've got a written copy if that'll help you. So the motivations are we, we think it's good for us. We know it's good for us to fly at the airport. Um, and I'll come up with some reasons why it might be a, a good thing for the, for the city. I'll talk about the proposed operations, uh, some arguments for our operations, and then some next steps. 
So we currently use the Model Masters field out uh, southwest of town. And uh, going to and from the Model Masters is uh, you know, 20 man hours per flight day minimum. That's you know, if we don't forget something, we have to drive back to the airport and get it. And there's limited facilities there. Uh, we can't store anything there. Um, so if we can operate off the uh, Lawrence, I should say regional airport, re regional airport um, it saves us a ton of time. Uh, we have ample facilities. In fact, we're right there at our hangar. Um, we have, <laughs> hope we never have to need it, but we have fire over there. Um, so for the city of Lawrence, I think the motivation is potential attraction for other UAS operations, in particular businesses. It's a growing business. Um, we, we don't know anybody else who's operating drones on the airport facility, but, but we certainly are. And one of the things that's happening in the, in the future is electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft. And Lawrence Airport is an ideal place to, um, to demonstrate flights from here to Kansas City or to Topeka. Um, so it's a, it's a link that's maybe different than, than um, you know, light aircraft operations. So uh, the, the research that we're doing is focused on integrating drones into the national airspace. Uh, it's under a center of excellence that we are a part of from the FAA, and they are interested in getting drones integrated into the national airspace. The next step is integrating these electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft, autonomous operations with, with uh, cargo, with people. Um, so all the things that you worry about with a drone, something small that doesn't kill very many people when it crashes, apply to this new evolving, what we call urban air mobility. So our proposed operations are fixed wing and rotary wing UAS flights from the airport. Um, so our operations are basically takeoff and landing from either a grass strip or if, and that's something that uh, we have recently got airspace approval from the FAA to do. What we'd like to do is eventually fly from the runways or taxiways. Currently, the FAA is not convinced that that's a, a safe thing to do, so they've limited us to a grass strip beside um, the runway. Um, then we would have a flight area west of the runways near the KU hangar. And so this figure here shows our, our approved flight box. So we're approved to be approximately 50 feet off the runway, and then we extend out over the um, little creek there. And the black circle is a place that's actually outside our normal operations area, but if there was ever a situation where we thought that we could interfere with, with uh, other airport operations, whether it's helicopter or um, some sort of crewed aircraft, we could go to an emergency orbit area as shown in that black circle then. But I should say that we, from any point within that flight box, we can be on the ground within a minute, and we can be in our orbiting position within two minutes. So we, we, uh, we listen to the, to the Unicom on the, on the field. We have observers um, on the ground looking in all directions. And um, so we, we feel like the, the, the possibility for uh, some sort of 
interruption of services is very, very unlikely, and that's why the FAA approved that, opp that opportunity for us. So the reason that uh, we posed to the FAA, and I'm just relaying to you, is that we have a long, safe history of flying small, unmanned air systems. We've been in Antarctica twice, Greenland four times. We fly at the Model Masters Field, uh, have been doing that for um, more than 10 years. That's not to say that we haven't crashed, but we haven't had what's called a flyaway, which is where a drone takes off and goes somewhere off or out of our sight, and could you know, we have no idea what kind of harm it might do. Uh, we have sound manned aircraft deconfliction procedures. Some of the things that we um, plan to do will involve flying at the same time that our aircraft or rented aircraft would also be flying. That's an airspace authorization and a, well, just an operation which has not been approved by the FAA yet. But we do have a history of operations with control towers uh, anchor at Kangalooswak International Airport in Greenland, and then also uh, the field um, um, on Ross Island in Antarctica. Um, we do have an emergency home point off the airport off the airport property. We can get there within a minute, and uh, emergency return to land. We can get back within two minutes. Um, I've actually got those switched. We can get back on ground on the uh, on our landing strip within one minute and get to the home point within two. So um, the next steps, um, assuming that we can get the city, uh, a fixed base operator, uh, others on the field and others within the community to agree, we would like to seek further federal grants for on-taxiway operations to assess the operational concepts that are going to be used in the electronic vertical takeoff and landing um, field. Um, to do that, we would likely partner with autonomous air taxi companies. Uh, we don't have anybody lined up yet, but we, we think that that's something that's uh, very likely, given the fact that we're part of a, an FAA center of excellence. So there, with those, um, those on-runway operations would, I have to emphasize, initially be with an optionally piloted vehicle. So. These, these large air taxis, they're, 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 uh, they're not flying with full autonomy. There's always a pilot on board, and that's what we would expect to see in the near future. I'm going to say within the next 10 years. Things are going to take 10 years to get autonomous operations with no pilot. So no time soon. Uh, the grass strip improvements we hope to do are to uh, level the spot, the, the strip we've picked out seed it with fine grass, and then roll it in the spring, get, have it nice and, and flat. And then here's something that we're, that's, uh, I think it's controversial. Um, our pilots cannot see very well over the trees along what's called, affectionately called Mud Creek. Um, and affectionately called Mud, Mud Creek, not just by us, but by pilots who are landing on, on the, the runways. They have noticed with a westerly wind, if we could back up to the, um, to yep. the field. Yes, um, landing from the, from the north to the south on, on the, the, other, the other runway there. Here. Do I have the, no. yeah, I can, here. Landing, landing here as you're coming in, if you've got a westerly or a southwesterly wind, there's, there's turbulence here, which pilots have said has been 
troublesome for them in the past. So um, I know that there are regulations that govern the removal of a tree. Um, one of the issues is that, that that Mud Creek does not actually flow. It evaporates and seeps. Uh, so uh, you know the erosion that you normally uh, want to avoid by having trees along a, a flowing stream I don't think really applies here. So this is something that um, we'd like to have discussions with uh, the airport management as to is this, some, you know, is this something that we share as an interest with pilots who fly here and uh, maybe can look to, if not removing, um, reducing, you know, lopping off the tops of some of those trees. So there's a lot of opportunities for federal grants. Um, I would like to, over the, the next coming months, uh, work with, with, with this group to talk about some opportunities. There are some that are on the table currently from the National Science Foundation and the National Aerospace, um, no, NASA, and they can be, uh, the, the question is, can that be something, is that something that the city would benefit from? Um, and, and so it's really sort of a long-term, over-the-horizon sort of consideration because uh, we don't have any money in hand, but the possibility of having large grants, uh, possibly setting up permanent facilities here. Uh, one thing I should mention is that um, we fly over fans that um, are meant to simulate the airflow in a wake vortex. As you may know, when an aircraft takes off, it creates a... Uh, swirling vortex uh, from the wingtips, and those winds circulate for many minutes, five to 10 minutes in some cases, and it's a, it's a threat to, well, to, to crude aircraft, but also to drones, especially to drones. So we have fans that we're blowing air, flying the drones over them, trying to assess how they respond. When the autonomous vehicles get bigger, they're gonna need really big fans. So our, our thought is to have some sort of national um, facility for providing the types of air velocities that an electronic vertical takeoff and landing aircraft would see um, as they possibly go through a wake vortex, but also as they're flying through a city where there are winds swirling around and they are known to provide disruptions to helicopter traffic. Um, and so that's something that that is a concern to the FAA um, over the horizon. So that's, that's my pitch. I'm not asking for anything uh, right now. I, I, I could share you the airworthiness um, authorization if you'd like to see it. I should also mention that I've spoken with others on the field, including the helicopter, helicopter operators, um, who are maybe the hardest to, uh, to, um, to see early as they're approaching uh, for landing. So um, I guess I'd take questions. Okay, yes, I have some myself. Would anybody else like to start? Jim, Dan? Um, yeah, I've got a couple of Go. questions. Go. Let me end. Yeah, I just had some. Yeah, I just had some. Gentlemen, keep your mic and pull your tabletop mic towards you, please. There you go. There we go. I'm not used to this. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I've got a couple of informational questions, like uh, you know, how, what altitude would these drones be flying at? And uh, are there, 
are there any time limits or any time frame when they would be taking off and land? Right. We can't fly at night. We must fly under 400 feet, sorry, 300 feet above ground level, so not very high. Um, and then, of course, within that box. So there's, there's uh, the, the only type of um, flying vehicle that w might fly through that box would be a helicopter. Normal operations, there, you know, there would be no reason for pilot to be flying anywhere near that box, well, except within 50 feet as they land. Um, so there are some other limitations. Um, we, um, we have to have, uh, I have to be listening to Unicom. We have to have visual observers. Would you, uh, would you make an announcement on Unicom about takeoff and landing? Or would yes. Or monitor Unicom? Yes. <clears throat> okay. Well, uh, Mark, I think we visited this like three or four years ago, and yes. I think we came out with some plans because um, I think what's not known for a lot of people is that field that you're flying over northwest of the runway is actually a uh, KU-owned property. So you're flying over KU-endowment property when mm -hmm. you do that. Um, the trees, I think everybody would be excited about doing something with the trees. It does create turbulence when you're coming in on 1-9 when, uh, when the winds are from the northwest. Um, we've been buffeted by those a few times. Actually, you may have a wind that you're crabbing for and then the trees block it, so you're adjusting real quickly on landing. But the, uh, I think Mud Creek is actually the creek north of the airport. And this one, I don't know that it has a name. Mm -mm. And oh, so, okay. yeah, Mud Creek is the one that actually does flow. Okay. That's where they came. There was a pipeline running through there that we were working with a few years ago. Um, but the, uh, I think we worked out some pretty good details back then as far as, as operating those. Um, so uh, yeah, the, the removal of those trees, I mean, it, especially for wildlife hazard, clearing up that environment would be, I think would be helpful. The runway that you're talking about, I, Lloyd might be able to, to answer this a little bit. Is that the taxiway that used to be used and it was vacated when the taxiway was moved to the opposite side of 1019? So it's already it established there. You just nice, be. It's mm -hmm. nice and smooth. Well, it's not nice and smooth, but it's smoother than but the it surrounding. Was, it was actually level and used. And it's also a, elevated, maybe three inches. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah. so, that, so it's not, not reinventing the wheel. And. Uh, but didn't I think we we did have some agreements that would put that there, and then it was just decided to move it to the master modeler's field up by the air, uh, by the the lake back then. But it was I think we had everything approved for for this to go through back then that we were going to move forward with it. And I do remember it was very positive. Yeah, I think we we had a positive. I mean. Uh, recommendation from the board back then. The unknown was whether we needed to go to the um, EPA or somebody to cut down trees and then of course the question is who cuts down the trees? Well the, I know the city did that on the Mud Creek is actually off the end of 1-5 okay. and the trees were encroaching on the approach angles for that runway years ago and there was some conflict with the owner of that property because the city actually has access to Mud Creek for that and they decided to clear cut the trees so that way they wouldn't have to go across that property anymore and they actually built a temporary bridge to get across Mud Creek to access the uh, trees so they wouldn't have to get on that other person's property okay. to do that but but yeah I think the the elimination of those trees would would be helpful for safe operation of the airport not just for years the only big uh, 
question I have is you've talked to the helicopter operators and LifeStar is the biggest concern that we have because with them being on that side of the field with LifeStar on board, I don't see any reason not to proceed with this. Yeah. I believe we might have a LifeStar pilot on yeah. the call tonight. Okay. To say that they're on board is stretching it. I went <laughs> and talked to a pilot and I said, I explained what we're planning to do. Well, I think we actually talked with LifeStar way back then. I think it was Adrian that we talked with when we were approaching this the first time. And I think with the announcements and the idea of having, knowing where everything is and the ability to bring it down within a minute, because if LifeStar is launching, they have a few minute window before they're actually ready to depart. And so it was agreed that the drone could be out of their way before anything happened because they would be on the radio as well. So I think those, those details were worked out way back then. Okay. Anything else? Okay. Here are my questions. According to the authorization that I read from the FAA, you will be coordinating with Kansas City Center. Is that correct? That's true. That's During the hours of operation. Do you have a schedule that you can publish somehow at all about that? Or is it, I uh, mean... It's, it's so weather dependent. Yes. And pilot dependent. Uh, the, the last few weeks... For instance, our pilots only been available on Fridays. That changes over the Christmas break, and it changes for next mm -hmm. semester because he's a student. So. And this, these are these are FAA certified UAS pilots, correct? Yes. Everybody who's going to be operating these is going to be an FAA certified. Well, let me be clear on this. To, according to FAA requirements, you need a a person with an airman certificate for an un, uncrewed aircraft. Yes. Present. That person is the what we call the pilot in command. Mm -hmm. He or she can then designate someone to be a supplemental pilot who has, has no need, no, there are no credentials required. Yes. So our pilot is currently not, he doesn't have the, the um, airman certificate for, for um, unmanned operations, but we have a staff member who does, and we have other. And they will be on site to supervise they, they every to time. Yes. Okay. Is there, it seems to me that there should be some kind of letter of agreement or coordination about how we are all going to operate together on this so that we all know what everybody's doing. And I don't know quite how to organize that, but I think we ought to do something like that. I think that's already been done. I think when we approached this a few years ago, those standards like having a pilot in command and a radio. No, I mean communicating about operations and who's going to be notified about when you're going I know notifying Kansas City Center is fine but we don't always get notums or anything else out mm -hmm. and I know we have a local notum set up so I just want to make sure how much activity we're going to have so that local pilots can be notified say hey this activity is happening at our airport now mm -hmm. so you know, and look for it on, if you have a schedule, we could publish it somehow by email or some other manner. Well, like I said, we do not have a, um, a, um, a schedule. We probably have a 24-hour notice sort of thing. Uh, I not think that, that would be adequate, I think. Yeah. So. Yeah. But we're, we're not actually required to, to publish notums for, you know, according to the airspace authorization. And let me just give you my um, personal thought on that, is that we are deconflicting with other operations. There should be no situation where anyone who's conducting air, aircraft or helicopter operations would ever know that we were in the air. 
Well, I have one example where that okay. could be a conflict. We had an air race here this year. Excuse me? We had an air race that came through and they went right through that airspace. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. The timing line was west of 1 9. So, so that's, that's why I'm saying we have to have mutual. Okay information exchange here. I think a 24 advanced uh, uh, notice, who would that go to though, I guess? That's, that's the question. You go to me and I, I have an email list of least of our tenants and the FBO operator. It sounds like the important person to get in touch with is whoever knows about the air races. Yeah. Well, <laughs> actually, that yeah, that's, that's an isolated event. It is. It's, uh, so, I mean, that would be an event that, I mean, it, that could be planned in ahead of time. That, we do that months in advance, and that's something that can be easily yeah. coordinated. Okay. And Scott would know about it. And uh, yes. They would, <laughs> and they're going to have an active radio, and so they're going to be involved with it, and I'm sure if there was an event at the airport that was going to uh, interfere, especially if they're using 1019, mm -hmm. then that would be... Well, when we had the helicopter rides, too, at the United... Uh, way event too. They were they were flying directly over that. Sure, and, and they, yeah. but there again, they would have radios and be in communication Precisely. with everybody. So even if there's an aircraft in the pattern, those guys are monitoring. And oh, I understand yeah. monitoring the pattern. Believe me, but no, I, I know they would that. adjust because yeah. I will put together a draft memorandum of agreement. I, I think talks that about would... us notifying Scott in addition to notifying the FAA. By the way, when we call the FAA, they say what? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, because they're 50 miles away. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. 49 miles away. Excuse me. We have to talk to them because we are with. Them. How much activity did you have at the um, whatever that other field is? Model airplane. Yeah, the model airplane field. How much? I mean, how how much active? How, how frequent are you talking about using this field? In the summertime, when there's good weather, every single day from sunup to sundown. All day. Yep. Now, the aircraft are in the air only sometimes five minutes at a time. We're operating, currently we're operating only electric vehicles. So we have very short flight times. Mm -hmm. But I mean, we, you know, we're setting up for the next, so we'll, we'll run four or five flights that'll take from sun up to sundown. What are they doing, those flights? Um, they're gathering data for well, we, landing systems. One of our primary uh, areas of research is coming up with smart autopilots. In particular, we fly, we, we have developed aircraft that fly for CRESIS, the Center for Remote Sensing of Ice Sheets. That's a group that goes to Greenland, Antarctica, and some other places. They fly radar over glaciers and determine the, to determine the thickness of the ice. I'm familiar. So they have to, uh, we fly straight lines for up to five miles long, turn around, come back, a lot of flying. So having an accurate or a, a competent um, autopilot is very important. So we're doing a lot of autopilot research. Okay. Um, and a lot of the, the FAA is interested because we have invoked some things called detect and avoid systems. So we, we take information from crewed aircraft, anybody that's broadcasting their position, we, we know where they are, we know where we are, we avoid. So you're getting the ADSB ADSB stuff, okay. And their flight box is beside the normal flight path of, of aircraft using the airport. So it's 50 feet off to the side of 1019 mm -hmm. and no higher, oh, I under, I, yeah, no higher I, than 400 feet for that. 
Are you guys ADSB out? Are the drones ADSB out? Uh, you're not allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> we are. We have not. We have not. Some some um, some research groups have gotten authorization to use AD, AD, ADSB out. We may, but for now we're only trying to avoid other traffic, and so we're. We're working with cooperative aircraft that have ADSB out, so we know where they are. Okay, so your aircraft are going to be within that red box unless they have to go to the black circle. Yes. Okay. How, how large are these aircraft be? Uh, we have some that are that weigh five pounds. They have a wingspan of maybe thirty inches. Uh, we have some that are have a wingspan of uh, twelve, thirteen feet. And weigh up to 85 pounds. Um, I, we don't fly the 85 pounder here in the United States, but 55 pounds with a 12 foot wingspan. I guess I'd have some concern about if the box is only 50 foot from the, the center line of the runway. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how close would they be flying? Well, uh, you know, I'll get the uh, cursor going here. Let me, can I zoom in on this? Yeah. Uh, on this map? <coughs> This one? No, no, below that. Yeah, right, yeah. Oh, close. <laughs> oh, I think you got out of share this, share the screen. My point is, our airstrip is, is identifiable on that, uh, that schematic, and it is about 200 feet from the center line of the runway. Mm -hmm. the um, so basically, as long as we don't veer too far off, we're okay. So if you, you see this light-colored feature here, that's the old taxiway. So we take off right over here, and then go into orbits like this. We never get closer than, I mean, our operational, um, the, the, the flight lines that we set up were a good 150 feet away from the runway as we're going around our, our box. So we take off. Uh, it is true that as we take off, we're going towards the runway, that's true. But, um, you know, we, once aloft, we, t we turn and all of our flights are, parallel to the box sides and pretty much right in here is how is as far as we go over towards the runway. And once what, again. What's a typical takeoff roll? Um, well for the smaller aircraft, 20 feet, others okay. 70 or 80 feet. Yeah, we tend to have over overpowered um, aircraft. We find that uh, having excess propulsive power is helpful for getting out of uh, some of the problems you have with our UAV, namely turbulence. You're flying along at, at uh, 40 miles an hour and you have a 20 mile an hour gust. It's all of a sudden you're going very slow. So well, I, I, guess, I guess my opinion is we need to make sure that we have some kind of um, 
letter of agreement about how we're going to communicate with each other about things like our big events you need to know about so you yeah. can avoid yeah. us and we can avoid you what what you have envisioned has precedent about five years ago when k-state was demonstrating to faa officials their beyond visual line of sight flights of drones as they lined up to take the picture of all the groups two ag aircraft went right through the flight area at about you know 30 feet off the ground. Precisely my point. <laughs> <laughs> so we will always have trouble. I mean, everybody has trouble with, uh, or has potential of trouble with uh, agricultural aircraft if they're flying down, you know, down low. Okay, so just let me make sure I understand one thing. And that the main reason that you want to be in this location is because of the easy access to storage and the KU facility and because KU owns the property, basically. And one more, and that is that then when we write our proposals to NASA and the National Science Foundation and the FAA, we identify our facilities, mm -hmm. which would, would lend themselves to a more credible uh, would set us up as a more credible uh, partner and okay. in particular as we move forward to electronic uh, vertical takeoff and landing um, autonomous air taxis as you look at the KU hangar mm -hmm. the more western side of their hangar is where the jets housed the entire second half of that hangar is the shop where the drones are built and okay. manufactured or maintained and things like that that's where um, Andy Pritchard used to be helping build the Creasis aircraft and, yeah. and put the assembly together. So that is their, okay. their shop right there. We, okay. We'd be happy to give you anybody that wants a tour of that, that place. So. I think we should take them up on that someplace yeah. down the road. I think Scott's seen a good bit of it. Um, yeah. it's, it's really exciting. That's why I'm, I haven't retired yet. Actually, seeing all the projects that have been going on in there is pretty phenomenal. Oh, yeah. I, could, I haven't been there since Andy left, but it was pretty neat seeing where the original Creasis was and how the second generation was significantly yeah. smaller than the first. Yeah. It was a, well, my main concern is making sure that everybody who's flying, you guys and us, yep. are safe. That, that's the main thing. And, and to facilitate that, we've got to have appropriate communication. So I think a letter of agreement or something like that would that's formalized would be a good idea the standards or the outline that we agreed to of the original was and they've already met that that somebody was there with field knowledge traffic knowledge oh, th that that i think is it, that's all in the existing that, documentation yeah, that person's actually on the radio at the same time to yeah. uh, to make sure they're safe and make sure the other aircraft are okay. safe as well all right anything else okay thank, thank you. you thank you for the opportunity Okay, next. Let's see. Uh, Scott, I think you're up with your report. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I'm Scott Wagner, airport manager, and I've got quite a few items on the report tonight, but um, since they are posted online, I'm not going to go through them for the sake of brevity uh, so that we can get through the rest of our agenda tonight. But I am going to briefly talk about the Lifestar hangar lease, which is one of the attachments to my airport manager's report tonight. We've been talking about the Lifestar hangar for a little over a year now. As you recall, back at May's meeting, uh, we had this on as a, an agenda item. 
And at that meeting, the Aviation Advisory Board authorized city staff to enter into more longer term discussions with Lifestar in terms of uh, use of the entire hangar facility if it was in the uh, interest of Lifestar management. I'm happy to report that we have uh, entered into a, uh, a long-term uh, lease with Lifestar, that uh, a lease amendment which amended kind of the month-to-month -month lease we were currently in with Lifestar is posted to the agenda tonight and I'll just go over a few highlights of the terms of that agreement. So the base monthly rent will be $3,570 a month, and that was based upon an appraisal we had done about a year ago. If you recall, the previous tenant was paying about $1,100 a month, so we've been able to get that up to market rate, and the rent it will increase 3% uh, each calendar year. The agreement is for a five-year term that expires December 31st, 2027. Kind of given the presentation we've had in the last few months with the uh, development group at the airport potentially building a new helicopter facility. Um, both parties kind of agree that that length of term, uh, if there is an opportunity to move into a, a new hangar space and if Lifestar is interested in that, that uh, that would allow for that. Uh, but each party can give 180 days notice to terminate the agreement, so that gives some flexibility uh, to Lifestar um, if that situation arises. Uh, Lifestar is responsible for all utilities, including trash removal. They're also responsible for all janitorial and cleaning services. They're responsible for snow removal on the lease property and grass mowing and landscaping. They're responsible for all routine maintenance and repairs necessary to keep the plumbing, electrical system, and doors in a good state of repair. And they will be responsible for the first $500 per year in heating and cooling HVAC system repair and its share of an annual maintenance contract on the HVAC system. Um, unless the board has uh, questions about details of the lease, I'm uh, happy to bring this to the board and it will need to go before the city commission to authorize the city manager to execute this lease. Um, the rest of my uh, report is posted online and I won't bore you with those details, but I'm happy to answer questions. Anybody? The only question I have is, did the city do any improvements to their bathrooms? Oh, <laughs> yes, that is uh, included uh, in the airport manager's report. We haven't done any improvements to the bathrooms, but we are putting uh, new carpeting. Uh, and tile and painting in the areas, uh, leased areas that they occupied and that the former tenant occupied. And that work will begin here in November. Awesome. Okay, Jim, Dan, anything, any uh, objections? Okay, Scott, I don't know what you need from us, but I think you've got a consensus here tonight. Great, my, uh, my plan is to get this on the December 6th City Commission agenda for authorizing the city manager to execute that lease. Okay, that's great. all I have to report tonight, Chair. Okie doke. Um, then I guess the next is the United Way report. Do we need to, is somebody here to present it or? Do I just, don't believe they were going to okay. have anyone present tonight. I can uh, briefly go over okay. a couple takeaways from it. Go right ahead, Scott. Yeah, so as you recall, we had a first of its uh, kind event at the airport on August 27th. Um, several of you were in attendance that day, and uh, for a first year event 
I, I thought it was pretty successful and the event organizers thought so as well. So they have provided a kind of a debrief of that event and I've posted that on tonight's agenda. So I'll just kind of go through the, at least the, the numbers for you. That's part of their report. They sold uh, approximately 35 airplane rides, uh, 17 additional rides were donated to members of the Boys and Girls Club. So that was kind of a neat idea, give uh, kids a, a chance to go up in, in an airplane that might not normally have that opportunity. Um, they had a special package if you wanted to be a co-pilot. They sold seven of those. 51 helicopter rides were sold and six rides were donated to Boy Scout uh, troop members. Attendance that day, they estimated that they had 200 uh, attendees out for the family fun day portion of the uh, event, which was during the daytime. Uh, 185 uh, diners for the hangar event that took place in the Eurotech uh, hangar that evening. So that was pretty much sold out. And they had a, a live auction that night as well. Had a ton of volunteers. I was really happy with the, the amount of least volunteer presence uh, that day. And I think there's some tips in their report as to how best to organize uh, some of that volunteer effort next year. All in all, they reported that uh, in terms of revenue for the United Way that they were able to net about $30,000 for um, the United Way that will allow them to make grants in the community. Uh, according to their report, I, I think they're interested in, in doing this event again and they have some ideas on, on how to improve on that. Um, and. Uh, <coughs> I guess I would probably ask for the board to uh, um, weigh in on um, your thoughts on how holding the event again at, at the airport. Richard, I don't have any objection. Do we have any dates, potential dates next year? Is it still, what was it in August? June, August? August. August. Yeah. I have not received any uh, dates okay. uh, from them yet, uh, but. I was kind of waiting till after tonight's meeting if you guys had any direction on that idea as well. Um, was there any conflict in August? No. There, we had a lot of them in June. Well, the only conflict wasn't related to our airport. There just happened to coordinate with a open house at the Ottawa airport. Ah. So Ottawa was having plane rides and activities the same day as this one. So we might just kind so of encourage So we might want to run that past United out. Way and let them check with Ottawa again. So. But yeah, that was on a that was on a Saturday, just for general information. So that might impact drone flights with all that activity going on. You know, if they do it again um, next year. So, okay, Dan. Oh, I was in attendance, and I thought it was a really a um, worthwhile event. It was um, um, it was fun. It was festive, and people were enthused about it. And it raised awareness of the airport. And I, I would be all in favor of doing it again. Yeah, Jim. I'd be all about it, especially if the terminal gets completed and people can. See yeah. It. <laughs> oh, that'd be a great thing. Yeah. Get Andy back to work. Yeah. There you go. Okay. That, that is a good thought. It would be an opportunity to kind of uh, show off the terminal. By that point, if we're looking at the fall for an open house uh, at the terminal that day too. Yeah. The, uh, when we did the uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation flight, we did it in coordination with, um, was it a Public Works Week and Open House. And I mean, at that point, I think we had significant turnout because we had display aircraft out on the ramp. We had the uh, Douglas County uh, Emergency Management had their, um, tra their tra or a commo mobile command post out there for people oh, to nice. see. 
we had, I mean, it really, and if we can coordinate it with a larger city presence and coordinate it with, with something like that, I think their turnout would be quite a bit, it would be greater as far as rides and, and fundraiser. So I think it's, okay. it is definitely something to work, look at and maybe coordinate better with them to, to get a bigger turnout. Great. Okay. Very good. I will kind of move forward um, with the United Way staff and uh, bring more information back at our next meeting. Okie doke. Mr. Hattrick for the FBO report. Good evening. Yeah, Lloyd Hattrick with uh, Hattrick Air Service uh, FBO at the airport. Um, I think one thing I really was going to update you on was um, I think um, Scott had asked if I could send a little note, kind of give you some information on Hetrick Air Service for where we're at, where we're going as far as some of these uh, large expansions and stuff. Uh, I've kind of laid out the, the current uh, ownership group about two, two and a half years ago. I brought in some partners to start developing, growing the airport, and that entailed, uh, of course, getting into the larger aircraft, managing uh, some of the jets and turboprops, and then the addition of the new hangar that was added. Um, from there, we are now looking at another group that wants to get involved and bring on some larger uh, aircraft facilities that would entail, as uh, you were reported last time with Chen and his group, would be uh, more of a repair facility for the larger aircraft that would entail painting, interior, and then, of course, resale. Uh, so part of that uh, expansion with Hetrick would involve some different structure of ownership that would include the, the new group that would end up um, operating out of one of the new facilities. Our, our hope would be of the two hangars, uh, one would be primarily Hetrick Air Service for expansion of our own operation. The other would be primarily then Dream Aviation that would do the uh, upgrade and repairs on the larger aircraft. So it, it all in all is great for the airport. It's going to bring bigger aircrafts on the field. Uh, as you know, the, the more activity, more flights we have, the more funds there are available from FAA and stuff. So um, all in all, it's going to be a great improvement with it. I don't know if there's anything else that, in reference to that. I mean, that's, it's going to be a long term. It's, you know, we're looking years down the line with the expansion, but. Uh, if uh, way it's laid out, I think we got a great group that will develop and, and do the improvements that the airport's been needing for years. So. Awesome. Good. Um, the other thing I might ask too, while I'm thinking of Scott, the improvements for the terminal building. At some point, we would love to visit with the architect, just kind of get a feel for what changes we might get on our side of the of the terminal building. You know the. What it's going to look. I've got the drawings, but you know that doesn't tell me as much as I'd like to know. So, at some point, if we could have a one-on-one -on -one with them a little bit, just see what it is. So. Well, that is uh, on our agenda tonight, Lloyd, and we've got our consultant on the call tonight okay. too. Good. Um, other than that, I just plant a seed in your ear. Uh, the, the with the football team starting to win, obviously we're seeing some traffic and. Uh, good, good traffic. The last uh, game, which was what three weeks ago now, um, Baylor was it? I think anyway brought in 
about as much as we could hold, short of closing a runway maybe. We had, uh, that day we brought in, uh, at, on the airport at one time we had 32 large aircraft. And, and that really is a change over what we had seen in the past where they were, half of them were small piston. This was all, these were all jets. I had six piston aircraft and then 32 jets. And we had, or jet of turbine props. We had through that day, we had over 42 come and go, yeah. or total. So if it wasn't for about six of them leaving, we wouldn't have had the room to get them all on there without drastically looking at some other option. Um, the worst thing about the whole thing was it was an early morning game, 11 o'clock, which means all of those 40 aircraft were coming within about an hour, hour and a half time which means we were moving, trying to relocate planes and shove them back as far as we could and stuff. Uh, this weekend, being a 2 o'clock game, I think 2.30, well, I, I suspect we'll see the traffic wander in, you know, over a three-hour period, which will give us more time to situate them. But with that being said, obviously, we've got improvements coming to the apron area. We need to be thinking about expanding that apron to the east. It just... Uh, in Dallamy, it's, it's not going to get any better, I, I hope, that's the case, so, or, or for um, the need for more traffic, so, or more ramp, so. Derek Rogers pu published a really interesting overhead, you probably got it, of the ramp that day. Oh, yeah. And it was, it was jammed. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess at some point, Lloyd, I don't know um, how this works legally, but if the if the ownership is changing, uh, you know, proportions and stuff, I don't know how that works with uh, FBO contracts and that kind of stuff with city. So I don't know how that works. It probably has to be looked at some sometime with a, the shift. If your name is going off and other names are coming on. Okay. So... Yeah, I say uh, the the last lease change that we made two and a half years ago allowed for that. That's how I brought in the, okay. uh, the others yeah. partners. But uh, by all means, once we get yeah, that once down, this gets yeah. more formalized, I think we need to have a at least let the city legal guy or you guys yeah. legal look at it yeah. and see what's going on. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Lloyd. Good. Lloyd, is the plan yeah. to have Dream Aviation as part of Hetrick, or is that yeah. a different entity? Uh, Dream you. Aviation would be a separate entity. And it, it's going to function on its own. Where Hetrick's only involvement would be working with them, whether it be providing the hangar space and the uh, facility, the help facility. What the, they'll probably start doing more of our larger aircraft maintenance that we've got currently. Start doing it on in on house. And we do the keen airs right now. So the jets are going elsewhere for their services. So my hope would be is that we can utilize their facility, so we're not leaving the. The premises for that but but it would be a separate entity that'd be joint the only common would be the some of the ownership would be crossover from both companies but Hetrick will consider will continue to operate just like we did with the same agreement with the city providing all the same uh, you know services that we have been so I guess just to clarify so the new hangar with the uh, building the two big hangars would those be Hetrick or those would all be Dream? Well, I think that's, it's still up, whether there might be some other investors that would actually build the facility and then lease it to Hetrick. But, okay. uh, so I, that's not, I don't know the, the answer to that just yet. 
I knew we were kind of at step one of about 30 steps when we, yeah. when Doug and mm -hmm. Jen came into the last meeting, yeah. so. Yeah. Okay. Thank All you. All right, other questions? <clears throat> Dan? Okay. Thanks, Lloyd. Thanks, Lloyd. Is Dream Aviation, sorry, is Dream Aviation a official company today? Or is, is that? It today, yes. Okay. Yeah. It, what it's, what's its primary purpose today? Uh, as I understand, they're, they're into buying and selling larger aircraft, so they, they, they purchase some aircraft, they, they fix them up, paint them, interior, and then they're selling them. So right now, I think it consists of more of the marketing side of it sells. I think they're working as another agreement with another facility to help grow that even more. But my understanding, right, it definitely exists. They do have some aircraft and they do sell some. But as far as doing the facility, the repairs and stuff at this point, no, I don't know that that. I think it's going to be in conjunction with another gentleman. So. Okay. Lloyd, are they a Kansas corporation or someplace or Arizona? Uh, the Dream Aviation, I believe, is. It, it's okay. out, out of local. Um, the a lot of the uh, the facilities and and operation that they're going to bring to town is going to be coming out of Oklahoma, I believe. So they're a Kansas corporation. But, or but a the, Kansas the Dream, entity. Well, I believe it's a Nevada corporation, but they operate out of Kansas. Yeah. Okay. All right, great. That's just curiosity. <laughs> All right, next is. Uh, your report, Clancy. Yeah. Tell me what documents I guess you want me to. Oh, share. I I don't know that we need. You can put it up if you want to, but I think this is the report of the uh, priorities committee that we established at the last meeting to review what we believe are the critical priorities in terms of infrastructure at the airport. And the recommendation, the committee was Richard, Tiffany, me, Scott, and whoever else we could get from the engineering folks in the city to come in and talk with us. We established just for the next fiscal year what we think are the top priorities. And they are to repair the um, taxi lanes around the um, Alpha T hangers because one of them it looks to be uh, nearly um, a failure where we have all kinds of uh, uh, water running outside uh, appropriate uh, drainage channels there and we believe but we aren't sure because we haven't been able to test that there is a void someplace under that alpha T-hanger alpha on that taxi lane on the west side. And we all know about the drainage problems just west of the Eurotech hangar, which are significant. The second priority that we came up with was the, the rehabilitation as or as required um, of alpha taxiway and then the general aviation ramp work. So those are the projects that we believe should have priority for the next fiscal year. Um, that my report is included. It was a draft of my report, but um, I think if there are comments, Richard, I think you probably have some to make. That that's what we would like to suggest that Scott work on funding for this 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 coming year, among other things. But those are the top ones. 
I think the biggest reason that we wanted to look at the taxi lanes around um, the A hangers is those are actually taxi lanes for B and C hangers as well to access mm -hmm. the, the ramp and taxiways. There is a sinkhole on the taxi lane on the west side of A hangers mm -hmm. that they've filled and it continues to be a problem. They, um, Lauren believes that the water is actually getting under the asphalt by B and C and migrating and coming out. There's a drainage tube there, but the erosion is around that drain tube. It's not the water coming into the drain tube, so it's, yeah. it's surfacing from somewhere else. And uh, he's pumped concrete down it. Yeah, he's times too. he's fill, filled the hole a couple times, and it's just reoccurring. So, I think the uh, the mitigation there, rebuilding those and correcting the the drainage issues. There is a drain tube right there that drains all the way in front of the the terminal building across Airport Road to the the uh, waterways by the uh, primary hangers um, or by the primary runway and off to Mud Creek that. That's the reason we did that. But what's surprising is, if you look at the grading of all the asphalt on in the taxiways and that, it's all very much below um, standard. So I think most of them are below 45 or 46 on the, the scale. The standard is supposed to be 70 PCI, and taxiway alpha, which is the best of the three, is at 35.6. The general aviation ramp, Lloyd, is 27.3. And the Alpha T hanger taxi lanes are at 13.9 out of 70, and so, so they're they're significantly below standard. And if if maintenance isn't started to bring those up to snuff, we are going to start having some liability of damaging aircraft. So the safety side of it, that's why we elected those to be the the main ones, and then work our way back from there. The ramp itself is is not considered in great shape, but. It's not failing to the point where we're going to start damaging aircraft yet, so that's how we prioritized. Those two taxi lanes, as, as Richard has pointed out, will significantly impact anybody in the um, A, B, and C hangars taxiing any place onto the airport. And I think when we, if we can get the rehabilitation done or whatever work needs the, to, to bring them up to standard, um, we can only do them one at a time. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's part of the planning <laughs> aspect when, yeah, they're, that's, when that's, they're repaired. It's going to have to be the, uh, be aware of, of, of access the, for the, 30 airplanes. But the CIP part is, mm -hmm. and we do have some partial funding from the state. We've we gotten a grant to, to help begin that process. We just need to get the money yep. to, to actually get this thing going. And that's where and the, Scott's got some ideas on that. And I think so, uh, yeah. our, I think I see appropriate folks from the right places that will be able to comment on that so yeah if you want to have brett holt or kyle comment yeah. on that clancy we can ask them to uh it, let's online. yeah let's uh see what you want to say first scott if anything and then i i guess we do we need to have the uh, entire committee approve that uh, of that yes, recommendation that, that, that would be the the action yeah. item on tonight's agenda yeah so the advisory board would be a accepting the CIP projects yes. as listed as, as listed. far as priorities go. So I would like a, a, this by the way has to be unanimous tonight, if you all agree, because we have only a quorum. So I would so like- So you're asking us to agree that these would be the priorities going That would be the, 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 the- For the next they, year. The way they're listed, yes. Not the only well, ones, but they are the top ones. Priorities, yeah. The one with failing concrete? Yeah. <laughs> I would motion that we would accept the changes okay. as listed. 
Do I have a second? Second. Okay. All opposed? In favor? Aye. Aye. Motion carries. Okay. Scott, you got your recommendation. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then I guess uh, you've provided the documentation, uh, Scott, on the rest of this, and I think I should let you lead that discussion. Great. Uh, item two on our agenda is receiving an update from Andy Bodine uh, from Crawford Murphy and Tilly on the terminal improvement project. We are at the 100% uh, plan stage. Those just got finalized. We will let that project for bid on Friday of this week, and bids will be opened um, November 22nd. I have posted the uh, entire plan set to the agenda tonight, and I'll let Brett was on. Uh, I'll let him kind of lead us through that, some highlights of that. If he's, oh, I'm sorry, Andy is on tonight. Sorry, Andy. Uh, <laughs> let us lead us through that discussion. No worries at all, Scott. Uh, sorry I couldn't be with you all in uh, in person tonight. I always prefer to to be there in person, but I was rolling back into uh, into town from uh, an internal out of town meeting and got in about 15 minutes before the meeting started, so wasn't going to be possible for me to be there. Um, but I don't have a formal presentation tonight, um, and that's really because not a whole lot has changed from um, when we presented 90% plans to you all. So um, most of the details have been worked out following the 90% presentation that we made to you here. Uh, I guess it was about mid-October uh, when we called that special session. Um, and so um, really working out the, out the details. And then we had a couple of things that we had to react to um, on the FAA side of things. You know, we were we're hoping that um, a couple of, of uh, Lloyd spaces were going to be eligible for that ATP funding or just some type of federal funding in general. Um, it turns out because they lease some of that space um, that that's going to be ineligible. But we did keep that as part of the project um, to, to be funded by some other mechanism, um, you know, at the at the discretion of the sponsor or, or you all. So um, I, I would like to at least share my screen and show um, a couple of the of the things just to answer um, Lloyd's questions about what's being done in that space specifically. Um, but outside of that, you know, we we were able to incorporate, I believe, everything into the plans that you all had had desires for, um, except for the access control um, on the new east side door. Um, that was going to be a little bit time uh, sensitive in terms of getting that implemented and, and getting that correct. There's a lot of detail that goes into those access control doors. And so what we've done is we've we've at least brought fiber to that point that makes it possible for you all to to you know work after the fact to get um, access control uh, you know installed on that uh, that new east side cutout um, on the terminal. So um, those are those are kind of the highlights. Um, the the big thing too on the eligibility side of things is you know a couple of the items fell out on on the um, eligibility side of things for the terminal that allowed us to incorporate um, a little bit more paving um, out in the parking lot and, and hopefully be a little bit more um, complete. Um, you know if if the additive alternate is 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 not awarded. So um, I'll go ahead and share my screen here. Is Lloyd still in the room? Yes. Okay, good. Good. Let me know when you guys have uh, have eyes on. Yes. 
we can okay, do that. Okay, good, good. Okay, so Lloyd, we we have basically at the back of the the plan set, and the, there is a lot there. We've got we've got ninety one sheets, but the back of the plan set really covers um, the additive alternate pieces that will be funded by some other mechanism other than your ATP grant that the that the FAA awarded you um, within within your spaces. Um, again, because you lease that and you 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 know effectively make some money off of that, the FAA deemed that ineligible, and I. I I do want you and everyone else to know that we tried to take the position that because your your spaces um, support the overall public use of that terminal, we really tried to you know kind of say that that was an eligible space, but it was it was not something that the FAA was willing to to buy off on. So. Um, within your spaces here, it's it's really covered. I'd say in the last you know five to ten plan sheets, um, we are going to be removing carpet. Um, we are going to be repainting in in your areas. We are going to be installing a, a brand new desk um, at the at the FBO interface with with kind of the public use areas. Uh, we are going to be swapping out everything in that work uh, work break area. Um, and there'll also be uh, new lighting uh, lighting fixtures within your areas, as well as um, updated um, uh, HVAC diffusers. You know, basically everything that brings the air to to those specific spaces. So it's it's a lot of uh, cosmetic upgrades, and and those are kind of you know detailed. Um, you know, within the plans. You know, if you if you kind of look in the upper right hand corner, there's there's kind of a legend for um, those spaces specifically so um if you have any you know specific questions we'd be happy to answer those and I'd, I'd be happy to to come over there to lloyd and talk through that with you just to make sure that you have um you know an understanding of, what, of what's going on in that area and 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 we'll certainly work with you during construction to to make sure that you know impact to you is is minimized if not you know eliminated thank you Okay. Was that going to include carpeting and, and carpeting? In the whole uh, yeah, it sure is. Okay. Okay. Actually, I just I have to have one question. This is Richard. Um, the one the one discussion we had at our last meeting was having an outside outside access to the kind of the cafeteria area of the terminal yep. building because the one thing that I don't see it on this drawing, but yeah, I didn't know if that was still going to be a an item. Yeah, it sure is. That's so you can kind of see over here on the east side um, where where we've kind of got a cutout, and and that has been detailed and included in the plans. That's that's what I was talking about related to access control. We 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 couldn't work access control into the actual plan set for this, but that cutout is still going to happen. You you'll still have access, and the fiber will be there for you all to grab and implement access control. You know, as soon as that's that's worked out um, internally at the city. Okay, super. Yeah, just for everybody's knowledge, the one thing that we've lacked at our airport is bathroom access after eight o'clock. So that would give people access to that bathroom and the planning break room, water, just in, and the vending machines. So, yep, something I think is a, a big portion of that remodel that will help the community. Uh, I'm not quite clear on what the ATP will cover the cutout for the access door on the outside, but not the inside. Is that what I'm? hearing or i'm just not I'm no they'll, they'll they'll no they're going to cover they're going to cover the doors on on the east side um basically the 
the pieces that they deemed ineligible were ones that the public didn't have access to. So the the spaces that the that the FBO physically works in and functions in, um, or the the kind of the office space down here, those are what the FAA deemed ineligible. And honestly, in the grand scheme of things, it's it's very low cost items compared to all the upgrades that are being made within the public space. So I, I think it was we, we were going to be incorporating or estimating that about four hundred thousand dollars worth of improvements in the terminal were eligible and then uh, about thirty thousand um, dollars within the FBO spaces that were not going to be eligible and needed to be covered by a, by a different funding source. Yeah. OK, I have a couple of questions for you. Yes, ma'am. We talked about the um, expansion as needed of the handicapped parking area, and you had talked about covers for the bollards or something so that when we have large events, uh, we can expand the handicapped parking. Is that still in the mix? And um, uh, will there be an automatic button that people who are handicapped can use to open the main terminal doors? Yes, we we are incorporating okay. the, the the buttons that that you know really okay. increase or, or meet the the intent of accessibility to the terminal okay. itself, and then um, I know that we talked about additional yeah. um, kind of U channels for for the yeah. uh, handicap signage. If you know if you needed to increase those spaces or or repaint them at a later later date, let me let me check on that, Clancy, and make sure that we okay. incorporated that. If we didn't, then we can we can address that during an. I, I don't think it's addendum. a huge. I don't think the parking is a huge problem because if nothing else, we can have somebody stand there. But um, I, we do know that it was an issue for at least the Kansas Air Tour a couple of years ago or last year. Sure. So, and, and honestly, okay. it's a low, it's a low cost item. You know, incorporating yeah. that through addendum would not be would not be a big deal. We'll already have one amendment uh, or one addendum. I'm sorry um, to uh, correct the spelling of Eurotech's name on the uh, <laughs> on the airport signage. So, okay, great. Anything else from anybody? Nope. Scott, any action required on this? I don't think so. No, we were just uh, putting on tonight's agenda. Okay, to great. Receive a uh, final plan set and receive any comments from you guys, which we've done tonight. So thank you. Appreciate your all's time. Thanks. Um, Next item is my report from the four states event in August. And I will say that it was worth my time. And I believe that any newcomer to the board would spend their time well to go to that in the next year when, when we have, I think we'll probably have some new folks on the board next year and I think it would be worth their time. But otherwise you guys can read it online. And uh, the next item is a discussion of dates for next year. Um, two things we need to think about. One is perhaps um, increasing the number of meetings to six per year because we have so much going on that it might be easier to keep up with things. The problem with that is we have only got four of us here tonight with calendars and I would hate to make decisions based on that. So my recommendation is that we look, everybody look at the four times a year calendar and we revisit the whole thing in February so that we can make a decision about 
whether we do want to increase the number of meetings and um, I think it's, it's time for us to set some goals as a board too so maybe a retreat or something like that should be considered at that time but um, I will certainly like to hear what everybody has to say now that I've made my piece. <laughs> well I think the uh, by the bylaws we have to have a meeting every quarter mm -hmm. and that's why we've had the set meetings yes each quarter yes and then added extra meetings as we needed we can always add meetings exactly and that's that's part of the theory a lot of times we don't have as much as we have on the table right now to recommend to the city and so that's why the four those are solid set and then as projects come up as uh, you know drawings get finished as projects come up we can we can plan more meetings but planning six meetings, that gives you set dates that the public can, can plan exactly. on. Exactly, and, and go from there. Jim, um, Dan, comments? Oh, I haven't really got strong feelings one way or the other. Uh, our meetings, this one has gone on longer than normal. Uh, the last couple have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, my personal feeling is that, you know, the set four and then the special ones as needed. Uh, okay. But I wouldn't have any great objection to going up to six a year. Jim, any comment? Selfishly, personally, I prefer the four. Okay. Um, there, there are issues with the schedule on six, and they're kind of obvious. Having one that early in January, one around the 5th of July, and one around Labor Day is yeah, kind you, of... You nailed my concerns. <laughs> uh, between family and work, it's tough. Sure. Um, I have no problem meeting extras as long. I think we had a, an emergency meeting last month, and we had plenty of warning, mm -hmm. and I'm fine with that. Yeah. I also think it's great that we can still come remotely, which may yes. happen for me occasionally, but... Um, I would vote for the four plus extras um, just based on the dates that are out there, but um, yeah. Okay, I need a motion to okay. uh, keep well, it at four a year with reconsideration as necessary. Do we want to do that or do we want to wait till we have Either way is more of the board? Me. I can say, we, I guess we can go with the four dates, then we have them set. People the, out here probably want to vote for four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have to have the next meeting. Well, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I guess. First, I guess one thing that we have is um, as events come up like United Way or the Youth Aviation Camp and things that we don't have to have, I guess, an advisory board meeting for that. As long as we don't have a quorum at those, we can have those meetings to help organize things mm -hmm. separate of that because it doesn't take any action with the city and any formal action of the board as long as we don't end up with a quorum at any one of those. Well, meetings. or we don't talk about we can't yeah. discuss any so, any official business. So I I would move that we keep the meeting to the four calendar ones, and that way we have a set schedule for our required meetings, and then we can adjust as needed if a, if okay. issues come up. I would second that. Second. All opposed. In favor. Aye. 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 That passes. We'll stick to four a year with other meetings as needed. Second question: If we do additional meetings, they have to be on Wednesdays. Uh, no, I don't think so. Not at all. Only, only the, day that they frown upon is Tuesdays. Well, the main problem is where city. do we meet? Yeah, city commission. <laughs> it's a the availability nights. of the, the room. Gotcha. So, okay. So there we are. Okay. Uh, the last item, as near as I can tell, is input on the Youth Aviation Camp and the Lawrence Pilots Club. I don't know who's providing that input. Well, I've been uh, kind of the instigator of the Youth Aviation Camp, 
and I welcome a lot more help in that area. Um, I've not looked at a calendar to set that. Uh, that's probably something we need to set before the end of the year so that Parks and Rec can plan their calendar. Um, the past probably six or seven years, we've planned it for the first weekend after KU graduation. Okay. And, uh, and we got rained out this got rained out this year or something. It, it did got postponed, and then we had it later. Um, part of the reason is the attendance. If we go toward the middle of the summer, it seems to be more almost a babysitting role rather than an aviation camp role. And the people that we tend to get that early in the season, while school's still in session, really is pretty dynamic. And we've had a great turnout. In fact, Mark's got a senior out in the. Uh, aerospace department that's she's one of our graduates from our right. our camp we've right. got a couple that are um commercial pilots and doing pretty well but um so i think that maybe we can come back to the board and we can discuss it with a lot of our volunteers that have helped through the years when is ku graduation in I, 2023 I we don't know at all. the only things i know for sure in june scott we the kansas association of airports meeting in atchison is yeah. the what 14th through the 16th he's right. setting the agenda so he should know okay there you and go. then the air race classic which is not coming here this year i was gonna say but we'll be going through three sort of nearby airports might draw down your volunteer ticket there you go. so and that's something for us to yeah. consider and a, a lot of times it depending on ku's graduation it could end up being memorial weekend yes and we don't want to have a conflict like okay that. so, so, as soon as so you we know need the to, date so we need uh, i'll sit back and and talk to volunteers and see what we got and, we have a very good and, list of volunteers after the air race exactly and and that is incredible the 99s <laughs> have been very instrumental in our success of the aviation camp through all the yeah. years and it's probably the, uh, the most welcome pilot organization we have locally that this really helped out so um the one thing I would like to work on this year, we've only had one or two aircraft that we've used to give rides, and that's what we've limited the number of students by the, the rides we can provide. And if we can organize and get a few more aircraft, that will allow us to bring in more students. So we'll work with that and, and hopefully maybe get back together with everybody. Either well, I think with the diminishment of COVID, COVID concerns, yep. you might get well, some more airplanes. How about on that project or that side of it, I'll come back to the board with a recommendation at the next meeting and works for me. Great, Richard. Okay, I don't have anything to report on Lawrence Pilots Club unless somebody else does. No. Have we done anything at all about that um, no. outside the group? I don't think so. What was okay. the action for it? I think they're... We're trying to figure out whether we can make a local pilots association or a county pilots association or something and we haven't really figured out just to promote communication and and coordination of various things so um well, i think there was some suggestion that derek might be interested in doing that, well, that he'd be a pretty high energy guy to get organizing that actually the uh, the best part would be if we can get uh, dream aviation's hangar built with a restaurant there then we'd have a place to really encourage pilots to come and <laughs> we might have a better turnout at that time sounds good to me so okay uh i will uh either scott or i will uh, see if we can't contact derek and see what he has to say about it i'll put it on my list okay anything else for anybody okay Anything from the public, if you're still there. <laughs> okay. 
I need a motion to adjourn. I'll make a motion to adjourn. Okay, I'll Dan second it. and Richard seconds. All opposed? In favor? Aye. Aye. Passes unanimously. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, all. everyone. Jeff, we didn't get you up at the podium. That's okay. <laughs>